0: We use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first.
1: Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Today's movie was called Cargo from 2017, and that's important to know because there are about a thousand movies by the title Cargo.
0: Yeah, there are.
1: Um, I'm not even sure that this was the only 2017 one, so you're looking for the one with Martin Freeman in it. We have seen this movie before, haven't we?
0: Why are you telling them?
1: Well, because there was a point where I'm like, there are pieces of this movie that are so familiar.
0: Yeah, I started recognizing things and I'm like, this is familiar to me, but yet I didn't remember most of it, like how it goes or anything. And that's probably not a good sign.
1: I don't think I remembered most of it either. And for the first several minutes, I really thought that I was feeling that familiarity because it felt so much like anaconda. Uh But I really like we clearly had seen this before. But I also did not remember much of it Which, yeah, is a little worrisome for me in terms of how good a movie it was. Because it felt like a good movie. It should have been a good movie.
0: But apparently it's not memorable.
1: Apparently not. And even now, when I want to think about, like, what do I want to talk about with this movie? I'm not sure how to pin it down.
0: Well, it's an Australian movie, our third one of the month already. Yet it stars Martin Freeman, who surprised me. I thought he was going to do an Australian accent. He did not.
1: I'm glad he did not. It
0: probably would have been bad.
1: You know, he did. He played a really interesting character. And I was reading up because it is Australian, but it's indigenous Australian. And I, like I've said before, whenever there's like a minority culture being portrayed in a movie, I try to read up and see, like, were they included in the making of this movie or is this appropriation? And it seems, at least to a certain extent, that they were included in this movie. Like, Hmm. what I was reading on IMDb was that the girl who plays Toomey, like, did work with Indigenous Australian people to develop her character and and whatnot.
0: I mean, was that Scarlett Johansson who played Toomey? because why wasn't it an indigenous australian
1: that i don't know and i don't know that she wasn't i oh. i don't know i just that the, all i saw was that there was a fact that she had you know consulted with indigenous australians
0: so because we only watch zombie movies this is another zombie movie and it was reminiscent of another film we've seen called blood quantum in that it was a zombie movie, but it's centered on the indigenous people handling it while all the white people couldn't.
1: Right, and in this one, they're not—they're not immune like they were in Blood Quantum, but like they're fighting back and yeah, they, not necessarily winning, but some of them are winning. Yeah, you know? they know
0: they have a system that works. Mm-hmm. Like the one lady said, "Oh, they're all going back to the old ways, and they're getting out of dodge because they." Are seeing how bad it is here, and they just want to get back to their own business
1: well, I mean honestly, I think this movie was a very strong metaphor for the differences between cultures that are just using up the earth and cultures that are listening to the earth and are right. and are you know connected to it in some way
0: well it made a connection for me like I had just been hearing a couple days ago about. California native fire burning practices, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. how they take care of the woods by burning them because that's how you prevent wildfires from happening. And I was just reading about that. And, you know, back in like the 1800s, all of that was outlawed. Mm -hmm. And so that's how white supremacy burned down California, is what that is. And it's they're kind of starting to make it semi legal again and kind of starting to listen to that because. That's how you do it. And that was like this movie where they were saying, you know, these guys have a method and a system for dealing with the zombies and we've got to start listening to them.
1: Mm-hmm. And yet, as much as that's the message of the movie, we spend the whole time watching, following Martin Freeman's character. Yeah. Who is the exact opposite of that. Like he is just this middle-aged white guy who <laughs> failing like, upwards. What right and like like he was just he was just it's like say if says he was just some guy, you <laughs> yeah. know? And like I'm sure he had some middle class white collar job and you know he's got his wife and this new baby and then everything goes to hell and he's doing everything he can to stay alive, which is admirable. But also, as he moves through this movie, one thing that I noticed that I don't remember from the last time we watched this, because I don't really remember watching it. <laughs> Me neither. So I'm, I, I wish I did, because I wish I knew if I had had this realization then, too. But as we're moving through all of the things he's doing and all the different experiences he's having, trying to keep his daughter alive, right? Mm-hmm. He's just so oblivious to Everyone and anything around him.
0: Yeah. And he's not a great guy. He's real focused on his goal and doesn't care too much about what happens to anyone else.
1: Right. And I think this was done intentionally, but all of that is done subtly. Like he is the hero of the movie for a significant portion of the movie. Like he is mm-hmm. the guy. You're like, oh, he's going to save his daughter and we're rooting for him. And then he just keeps doing things where I'm like, (laughs) oh man, why do you have to make it so difficult for me to root for you? Mm -hmm. And it's nothing horrible. He's not, he doesn't go around like taking advantage of people. Like they keep comparing him to other people in the movie, other men in the movie who are actively being terrible. Yeah. You know, there's the guy with the birthday party with the two kids who just, you know, immediately pulls his gun out and is like, "Yeah, go away. Like, don't, we're not going to, I don't want to be a part Which, of you.
0: to harken back to other movies we've seen is actually a pretty appropriate response.
1: Absolutely. But <laughs> Martin's character wasn't like that. Yeah. he He was looking for connection. He was mm-hmm. looking for collaboration and community. But then when he would find other people, he was just... So blind to what was really happening, and it really comes to a head when he meets this oil guy who like he's he's the capitalist in the movie, right like he's yeah. the big capitalist who's his whole driving force is that at some point things are going to return to normal. And he's going to be the guy in charge of all the oil when that happens, and he's going to get super rich from it. That's (laughs) his entire plan. That's a
0: terrible plan. Like, they're not just going to come in with a gun and be like, move on.
1: (laughs) Right. It is a terrible plan, especially as Andy points out immediately, Normal is not coming back. Well, that too, yeah. (laughs) It's going to be a very long time. But this guy has a woman with him that he refers to as his wife, and- I don't think it was hidden. Like, I want to say I picked up on it immediately. I I don't think it was super hidden. I think you probably picked up on it immediately, too, that she clearly was not comfortable there.
0: Yeah, she was not happy with her situation.
1: No. And to me, immediately, I was like, oh, she's in danger. Like, Mm -hmm. there is a problem. And it was like two days later when (laughs) Andy finally figures out that she's not his real wife.
0: Yeah. The thing is, we don't really know that for sure, because when he came across the people that the oil man had caged out to be zombie bait, he also didn't help them, and he clearly knew they were in a bad situation. So maybe he just like was like, yeah, can't do anything right now. Sorry.
1: I don't know. I Maybe. Maybe.
0: Neither one is good.
1: No. Because in the one case, I think... I read it as he was being oblivious to it. He just didn't clue in on the fact that she was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that things were not the way they were being presented to him because he just believed the other white guy in the room, right? Yeah. Then in the other situation, it felt more like he knew it was a problem, but he had to decide, do I save me or do I save you? And he always decided to save himself
0: which is how he's not a hero
1: right i mean there was the element of he had an infant daughter that he was trying to keep alive so i get it i mean he's not the only person on the planet who would make that choice but it still doesn't make like you said he's not the good guy (laughs) and i don't know it just it made it, it got harder and harder and harder to like him as we went along And then he meets, he finally connects up with, to me, and he actually, like, he starts experiencing symptoms. And I think he sort of figured it out by the end. Like, you see his character arc going from that oblivious white guy to somebody who it was too late for, but who figured out that he had been going about things all wrong. I think. Uh,
0: Somewhat, but it... I mean, it's really watered down by the fact that it all still works to serve taking care of this baby, you know, like he never had to put his baby at risk in order to help other people. It was still the right thing to do to keep the baby safe was to help Toomey continue so that Toomey could take the baby.
1: Yes, I agree with that. I think the one thing that pushes it over the edge a little bit for me is that he could have just died, right? Like mm-hmm. he got zombified because in this movie, it's like a process. It's like a 48-hour process from when you first get bit to when you, you know, kind of lose your your soul, right? Yeah. Which is how they talk about it too. The, the indigenous people were talking about it like that they were separated from their souls and that sort yeah. of thing. So he hit that 48-hour mark. He essentially was gone Before they made it back to Toomey's people. Yeah. It was his idea, I think, unless I missed something, for Toomey and the baby to be on his back and to use. Oh, yeah, it was definitely his idea because he put the meat on the stick. And like Toomey's on his back holding the stick in front of him and his zombie brain, you know, it's the donkey with the carrot, right? And I think it was his idea to set that up so that even after he was dead, he was able to bring them back home. Like he mm-hmm. he still took care of Toomey as well as, because he could have just died and left Toomey to bring the baby back to yeah. her, her tribe.
0: But it still comes down to the safest, best choice for the baby. You know, yeah. like, Toomey was not in good shape and needed to be carried somewhat. And that's why that all came about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, there were... There were communications between them, too. Like, I feel like he uh, he realized, or like he he made a connection with Toomey. And so he cared about Toomey, Toomey's survival as well. Maybe yeah, not as much I as he so. cared about Rosie or whatever his daughter's name was. But he was thinking beyond himself and his own progeny at that point. But maybe not that far beyond. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know. So that was one other connection to Blood Quantum is that we've got another movie, where a zombie movie, where the main character gets bit right at the beginning. In this case, though, it's because he spends the rest of the movie counting down his 48 hours. Mm -hmm. But you know he's going to go, so that's kind of interesting. And our last Blood Quantum connection that I know of, we have him going into a doctor's office, meeting this nurse lady, the only person in the entire Medical complex, mm-hmm. and she knows he's been bit, and she just, she asks him what the number is on his bracelet, how many hours he has left, and he tells her, and she just goes with it. She's just like, okay, I have asked the question.
1: Let's yeah, move on. That's true.
0: Doctors, man,
1: I I hadn't made that connection before, but yeah, there was something about that character. Like she she was the first person he came across possibly the only person he came across in that whole movie aside from Tumi's tribe who didn't feel the need to immediately kill him, right? Like <laughs> yeah. and and Tumi's tribe even knew he needed to die. Like yeah, that for was sure. that. But like she, I don't know, she didn't have the same like fear that everyone else did and I don't know why.
0: Well, I mean it was also, you know, like 40 hours from The end for him. When when he met the tribe, he was gone.
1: No, I know. But there's no reason for him. Like, you're pointing out, she asked him, Mm -hmm. and he told her, and that was that. Like, she didn't verify. She had no idea. No, I I mean, it could have been that he was going to turn two hours from then and eat her in her sleep, and she didn't seem worried about that at all. It's interesting. Okay,
0: throughout this whole movie, you even commented while we were watching it, there was like this thick, goopy, mayonnaise-filled veneer of white supremacy over this whole movie. And not necessarily by the makers, but in the story. And like, we had Vic, who's the ultimate white supremacist, Mm -hmm. the oil man. But that feels like another thing where she was like, hey, fellow white person, we're okay together. We're good. And then, you know, but when interacting with the indigenous people, it's like, you know, well, we we don't trust each other. We're not on the same side. And Vic did the same thing with him, even though he was scared of Vic. Vic was like, all right, we're cool. Yeah. Got my fellow white guy. I can take him out to the cages I keep indigenous people in and he'll be all right with that.
1: That was a huge thing that Vic automatically assumed without any discussion, without Mm -hmm. any fear that... Andy would be totally okay with whatever he was doing with this woman that was now his forced wife, and would be totally okay with whatever he was doing to the indigenous people that he was keeping in cages as zombie bait. Like, there was no doubt in Vic's mind that everything was fine. And that's very interesting to yeah. realize. Like, I hadn't quite put that all together, but. Absolutely. Oh, it was, yeah, it was
0: old boys network uh-huh. business.
1: Uh-huh. So, because it's a zombie movie, I feel compelled to point out that Andy would still be alive if they had followed any zombie <laughs> protocols when his wife got bit.
0: Yeah, I wrote Sully's rules.
1: Oh. And she knew it. Oh,
0: it was so she bad. She knew
1: it. And he's, like, forcing her back into the vehicle with them. He's watching her die. He's watching her turn into a zombie and then she starts trying to bite him and he reaches in the direction he leans toward her to reach toward the back of the car instead of getting out of the car and going through the door that went to the back seat to get the baby. Like it was, but it almost felt natural in the sense that it was like you get into the habit of doing things and then (laughs) even in the face of danger, it's hard to change those habits. Yeah. Like I think about how difficult it's been for me to remember to put a mask on when strangers come near me for yeah. the last year like i know that that's what i want to do i know that there are safety reasons for me to do it and it's still like i can't count how many times i have after the fact been like why why didn't why didn't i have a mask on during that interaction
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's not safe out there there's a disease ravaging the population, and we all have to hunker down and get our shotguns.
1: Yep. One of the stages of the zombie metamorphosis in this movie seemed to be that they wanted to bury their heads in the sand.
0: Yeah, they really did.
1: Now, not all of them, because Andy didn't do that, and Andy's wife didn't do that.
0: Andy did. One time, he was like compelled to start digging, and then at the very end... He totally dug up a whole bunch, but then he immediately followed the stick. That was when they made the meat stick.
1: Sure. So in the IMDb stuff, they mentioned that and they talked about it being like that they wanted it to be like that it was a metamorphosis of types. That it it was like going into a cocoon and then coming out as a zombie. (laughs) I guess. Going in and instead of a butterfly coming out beautiful, the zombie coming out all horrific, right? Which- I get, and obviously, if that's what the creators are saying is what they were doing, that's what they were doing. But I couldn't help but notice the very blunt metaphor to all of the people burying their heads in the sand about how horrible all of the environmental stuff we're mm-hmm. doing is and everything, and how that all got us to this point, and then here the zombies are doing the same thing. I thought, yeah. that, was in, I mean, I thought that was fun.
0: That seems pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. What did you think of the appearance of the zombies, speaking of that? Like that they basically looked human, yeah. except for whatever injuries they had sustained, except that they had marmalade yeah.
0: that oozed
1: out of their eyes and their mouth and kind of cr- caused created this. It was almost like when a tree, like a pine tree, bleeds sap and then yeah, gets that like that crusted like that. over like amber colored thing. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Thing.
0: And they kept like finding clobs of it. And going like, ew. Yeah, that's gross.
1: Yeah, that finding finding zombie goo was definitely a thing that made people afraid. <laughs> yeah,
0: it would, it would work on me too. Yeah. But I mean, mostly they looked like lesser zombies. Like, you know, not, not the fancy kind of zombies where they pretend like they have holes cut in them and stuff. But, you know, just your basic zombies. But then they did have pine tree marmalade on their faces.
1: Yeah, it was kind of gross. How would you rate this movie in terms of... Horror level.
0: Well, I would almost classify it more like an action movie. I guess kind of a drama movie. I think most zombie movies aren't real horror based. I mean, there's there's horror in it. Like you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, people are being infected and all that. But it doesn't try to scare you. It does, nothing jumps out at you. Usually there definitely can be zombie jump scares, but this movie didn't use those at all. Mm-mm. It did kind of have a creeping horror feeling to it, because it felt like the world was ending. I think in, the environment they used was pretty good. And the idea that just all of society was gone, except this tribe of people, <laughs> they were doing okay, yeah, which was cool. And that was the happy ending that was kind of cool, was like, these people are going to be all right. They're going to rebuild from their little like oasis that they live in.
1: Yeah. It definitely gave a hope vibe at the end, at least for that tribe, not necessarily yeah. for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. But right, I'm like, oh, okay, well, we deserve that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fine.
1: <laughs> the title of this movie was a bit of a stretch for me.
0: It really was. I didn't understand why they decided on that. Like, he he has to get her places, but he doesn't treat her as cargo, so no, it's not it, really appropriate. Like, it
1: really. Yeah, it depersonalizes the whole thing because it's not about cargo. It's about the fact that, like, he was so, so driven to Mm -hmm. keep his child alive. Yeah. That even as he was losing his mind to this zombie virus, that was all he could think about. It was his only focus. Huh.
0: Maybe they were calling her cargo because she didn't make any noise for the whole movie, mostly. It was like...
1: Yeah, there were a couple of times where like she was upset, but surprisingly few.
0: Yeah, they'd be like, you know, marching out in desert heat all day long. And she's just sitting there going,
1: doo doo doo. Yeah. <laughs> Which was even less believable because early on, there was an interaction between Andy and his wife about how much the baby preferred her, right? Yeah. Like that she didn't really like him. Or he thought she didn't like him or whatever. And, okay, so this baby's going through all this traumatic stuff and she's just never crying. Like, it's weird. It was yeah, weird.
0: and probably hardly getting any food or water or anything. Right. And just, they just, just kept spraying
1: mom's perfume in her face and that was <laughs> it. Everything was fine.
0: Yeah. Well, that's how it is.
1: Although I did like at the end when he's totally zombified and they're about to put him out of his misery. And to me... Like stops them and yeah. sprays the perfume and holds his hand so that there's like humanity around him. And he's as close to his humanity as possible as they dispatch him. Because he definitely recognized the smell and had a response to it. Yeah. That was sweet. I actually had sort of a little tear up at that point. oh, Yeah.
0: I guess you care.
1: I mean, a little bit. To counter that, though, this movie is the movie I've taken the least notes on. Like, I just, there was nothing, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was anything worth taking notes on. I'm like, yep, he's still walking. He's still carrying the baby. He's still thinking about himself. Like, nothing changed.
0: He definitely (laughs) did that.
1: Like I said at the beginning, I really wanted this movie to be good i wanted to like this movie and not just because it had martin freeman in it (laughs) like it feels like it should be a good movie there's a lot about it that ticks boxes and yet i am left with this very dissatisfied feeling and i don't know if that's the movie or if that was just a mood i was in while we were watching it or what but i don't like It feels like it should be a high-scoring movie, but I am going to end up giving it three and a half fishhook mobiles out of five. Because it just, it didn't do the thing for me. I don't know. Uh It has the right message. It had the right people. It was done well. I can't think of anything to really complain about other than I just feel dissatisfied by it at the end so maybe it's me
0: well it's not just you this felt like a really good movie martin freeman is really good at what he does
1: he's amazing
0: and it seemed good and i liked the whole idea you know that blood quantum thing where the maybe we ought to be listening to indigenous people Mm -hmm. for once like that was good and it was like a well-told story but it just didn't quite do it and i don't know maybe it's cuz we've seen it before and so like in the back of our minds were the answers to all the questions and we were just like this isn't interesting it's not tricky at all and it's cuz we secretly already knew and we didn't know we knew
1: you know what now that you say that i didn't have any questions hmm. like that's i think is the problem there wasn't enough suspense mystery like yeah i just i understood what was going on too much and i don't think that's because i watched it before i think like they did a good job of setting the scene and
0: well and he just kind of bumbled along on his journey yeah and ran into each thing and solved it or didn't
1: and often in zombie movies the question is what is causing it and how are we going to cure it and how do you kill the zombies? And like, there's all these questions, right? Yeah. None of those questions were the questions they were trying to answer in this movie. And I can't think of what questions they were trying to answer other than, boy, aren't white people stupid? <laughs> and I don't <laughs> I mean-, mean that. No, I mean, that sounds really like that sounds really bad. But like, really, haven't we screwed up? And isn't it time we do something different? Which absolutely yes. I'm all down for. But aren- those are not like... Mysterious question. <laughs> <laughs> they are not mysterious.
0: I think I too am going to give it three and a half fishhook mobiles out of five. It's uh, it's that clearly means it's not a bad movie. It was fine, but it it felt a little empty.
1: Yeah. If you want a zombie movie with indigenous people in it, I would recommend Blood Quantum. If sure. you want a horror movie with Martin Freeman in it, I would recommend the one from last year,
0: Ghost Stories.
1: Yep. Um, There's just like the things that this movie is doing, they're not bad. It's There's nothing wrong with this movie. It's just that we have seen movies that did the things that they were doing better in more interesting ways. Mm Better is not even necessarily right. It's just in more interesting ways. Yeah. So
0: after a moment's research, I have discovered that it's a Netflix original.
1: That explains everything.
0: It explains why it's so polished and... Quality, uh huh, and yet,
1: and yet, not quite there.
0: It does have a solid ending, like it goes and it it resolves its issues. But yeah,
1: see, it's the AI writer element. Like, (laughs) when they use data to decide what belongs in this movie, it strips the heart out of it in some way. Yeah, that even when we don't know it's a Netflix original we still are like, we're left with this emptiness. The soul there are the soul is missing from every Netflix movie, Netflix original movie I have ever seen.
0: Yeah, I think during our review of Await the Dawn, we brought up this idea that it tries to do, you know, a Sam Raimi movie, but it's trying to do it. Right. And it doesn't have the heart of him doesn't just work. doing his thing. And it it's that. And so this when they Created out of data rather than some writer who's inspired by this idea he has and he's just writing it down. That's mm-hmm. a completely different process, and it doesn't, it doesn't it's have a heart. It's the
1: uncanny valley of movies because it looks right. Yeah, it should be right. You can't quite say why it's not right, <laughs> but your brain goes, "This is not right," like yeah. very strongly. That's so fascinating. I'm like, I want to do, I don't want to, but I think somebody should do some like hardcore thesis research into what is it about Netflix originals that leave that, that void in your heart when you watch them. Yeah. So, so interesting. The Evil Twins. Of Cargo 2017 is Cargo 2019.
0: Yeah, same name. I like it.
1: Yes. Which was an Indian movie about a space station where the dead go to be processed.
0: Yeah, it's like a bureaucratic job of taking dead people and healing their injuries because they still have injuries even after they come up here. Mm Mm-hmm. And wiping, wiping their memories yeah. and then sending them back to Earth because it's an Indian movie. So it's all yes, reincarnation. Reincarnation.
1: And basically we follow this one demon.
0: He is a demon.
1: Who looks like a human. Yeah. The PR around demons is better now than it was <laughs> Back in the day. But it's it's this demon who works on this space station and does this processing. And he's been there for 75 years. By himself. Yeah. And we're like dealing with his loneliness and they send him an assistant. And there's, you know, that's a situation. And it is. We're also kind of seeing little snippets of the stories of the various people that he processes over the, you know, few days that we see it was fascinating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was. Heads up, not a horror movie in any stretch of the word.
1: No, that's true. Not even remotely. Uh huh. Which is surprising to me because I remember we looked at the many, many, many dozens of movies called Cargo yeah. and we picked one that specifically had horror as yeah. its tag.
0: It was tagged horror, said like sci fi and horror. And I skipped the one that was sci-fi and mystery, which would have been a horror movie for <laughs> yes. sure.
1: I'm sad for you that we didn't get to watch the horror movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am happy for both of us that we watched this movie, though.
0: It is intriguing. It could have made an interesting episode of the show. Although I feel like neither one of us really knows what we just saw, but... Yeah,
1: but that's the fun of it. Is like there's a lot to think about, and there's uh-huh. a lot to p- pick apart and and mull over. And there were just lots of thoughts that came from this one.
0: There's definitely cultural confusion about it. You know, like don't really know some of the things and the way mm-hmm. things were done but I'm sure some of
1: the references around demons and things you know yeah. which demons and what they did and what their powers were and all of that <laughs> would have probably been yeah. funnier if we knew anything about that
0: okay it reminded me a lot of the Netflix show nobody's looking yeah which is brazilian but it's also about well it's about angels who their job, their guardian angels. Their job is to keep people from getting hurt, and it's all you know the same bureaucratic afterlife yeah. kind of thing. And it felt like that show.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the idea of the afterlife as a bureaucracy is one of is my favorites. A very common thing. Like even in Beetlejuice, when they go and talk to the manager, and you know, trying to figure things out, yeah. and you know, they have to take a number and blah blah blah. Like that's I, a really yeah. common idea. I, I like
0: that stuff. And now here is where we run into a little conflict because there's another oh. movie this reminded me of. Uh-oh. It's not super similar, but the fun of this movie reminds me of the fun that was in Miranda Vale. That same idea where the whole movie is a philosophical discussion, basically, and it's just bringing up ideas. And it does this by having like weird random characters acting weird and you talk to them. Like that's kind of it.
1: Okay, I kind of see the connection. All
0: right.
1: And completely different movie. Completely it different is vibe. Quite different. Yeah. It did not have any of the creepy misogyny that Miranda no No, at. no,
0: it's not not that part.
1: No, but yeah, it's you know, it's it's the philosoph- it's the philosophy type movie you know yeah when when the idea is not to come up with an answer but to present a bunch of questions yeah and And
0: it's here's some stuff it talks about because i don't know what it's really about uh it's obviously talks about reincarnation a lot but it's there's a huge chunk that's all about loneliness Mm -hmm. and needing other people and what that entails
1: And what I liked best is that it doesn't really go into romantic relationships. No. it's he has these people that interact with him on a daily basis. They're down, they're also demons, you know, but that that are down on earth, like his his handlers, right, who mm-hmm. interact with him through the TV on a daily basis. He has his assistant like he has the people who come through and he refuses to connect with any of them and he refuses to do any social media basically yeah. which is the other thing they keep telling him like you have fans you need to connect <laughs> with your fans answer your <laughs> fan mail and he's like I don't want to have anything to do with anybody Yeah
0: it's a weird and wacky scenario which is the connection I was making yeah
1: Yeah well yeah and I like I but I you know I specifically I like that it it addresses loneliness not by saying here's someone that you can fall in love with but by pointing out like here are all the different connections that you could have that you're choosing not to
0: yeah and there's like a central one of those in the movie Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we won't spoil that
1: yeah i would rate this cargo four and a half alarm clocks out of five because i really 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 liked the questions that it brought up Mm -hmm. okay you know what that's the rating i would give it if we were doing a regular movie podcast but we're doing a horror movie podcast and so in that sense it's not a horror movie (laughs) at all definitely
0: not a horror movie so i just want its fault we just picked wrong
1: so i just want to be clear that this is on like a a vastly different rating scale than most of the movies we've (laughs) rated but yeah four and a half alarm clocks out of five i very much enjoyed watching it i think I would probably enjoy watching it again, and it's going to be one of those ones that I think I'm going to tell people they should watch. Oh, yeah. Really? In fact, if you're listening to this podcast because you don't like horror movies, (laughs) this is a movie you should watch. Yeah. It's not a horror movie at all. Absolutely
0: no anything that can scare you or gross you out or anything. No. I will say that I have no idea how this movie ended. I mean- I do know like it's all very straightforward, except it doesn't seem to wrap up anything or have any real purpose. so like I feel like I really missed a meaningful chunk, and that's the thing with this movie is I misunderstood enough of it that I feel like maybe it's an amazing movie, but also maybe it's a stupid movie. <laughs> it just didn't you know it it's just not good, and I don't know that because I don't understand.
1: don't think it's a stupid movie
0: yeah but what if it is
1: you know what i just realized what it doesn't end it just restarts well
0: yes i totally noticed that that part i got yeah it's doing a thing and i'm just gonna guess that it is good i can't know if it's super great because maybe it is and i will award four and a half alarm clocks out of five as well it's risky might deserve a four but again i just don't know i'm gonna go with it
1: way to live on the edge
0: i know i'm taking a chance running with the big dogs because you know why it's not a horror movie but i still want that thrill and that terror so i'm gonna put the 4.5 in
1: sure 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 to feel the feel the terror
0: Uh, that i might be wrong
1: that you might be wrong yeah one last thing I want to say about Cargo 2019 is that it definitely has that film festival vibe, too. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, it's an artsy thing.
1: Yeah. At the beginning, it says that it's was part of some Indian film festival and also, like, was presented at South by Southwest and things like that. Yeah. And it definitely feels like that. Okay, so now that we are done talking about Cargo and Cargo, what do we have coming up tomorrow?
0: Tomorrow... We get into the popular horror subgenre of hair products with The Stylist from 2020.
1: All right. And I, I can see potential for horror around oh, that.
0: Yeah. Aren't you always afraid that they're going to slice your ears? I am.
1: No, I'm not afraid <laughs> of that. That's so but, scary. But I could definitely imagine a horror movie in which, like, wigs still have the scalp attached to them and or, that sort of thing. Or, yeah,
0: they can't be removed. We saw that oh, one. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Also, I see how terrified you are anytime you have to go to the hair cutter.
0: Yeah, that's why I do my own now. <laughs> yeah. COVID <laughs> has saved me from the stylist.
1: <laughs> okay, so hair care and what else?
0: Well, it's hard to find an evil twin for the stylist so what I came up with is personal shopper from 2016. Similar sort of job, maybe kind of.
1: I see like the, the uh, you know, personal assistant. I can't think of how I would categorize that, but I see the connection. I do.
0: I'm glad you do because, again, I'm living on the edge.
1: <laughs> right? Our our threes of of viewers will be mad at us.
0: I know. What happens if we get hate mail?
1: We just won't open it.
0: Ha! Good plan.
1: All right, we will be back tomorrow to talk about the stylist and personal shopper.
0: All right, we're gonna do this one with style. With style. Okay. Like the stylist. That's yeah. That's why it. I said style. I got it. I said that, like the movie name.
1: I understand.
0: Just the movie's called the Style.
1: I heard you. What's a spoiler and what's not in that movie? I couldn't spoil it if I wanted to because (laughs) I don't know what happened.